0: Um, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and um, verse, we'll go with verse 1. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Let's go ahead and uh, let's bow our head. Let's close our eyes and let's ask God to just Align our heart with what he's going to do here tonight. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to be in this place. I pray that you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word and that you would touch every heart in this room, every mind in this room, every spirit here today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a hunger, a zeal, a passion. For more of you here in this place, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we magnify you in Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands and why don't we thank God that He's put breath in our lungs and given us another, given us another day to live. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you uh, turn to your neighbor, shake their hand all around you, about two or three people, and you can tell them. More of him, more of him. After that, you may be seated. Before I get into the message, um, I want to just, as your pastor mentioned, we are going uh, overseas. And so uh, we have a desire, a strong desire we've had, my wife and I, for a while my wife since she was a little girl has desired to go overseas and do work for the Lord and um, the Lord kind of put a, a, a halt on that for a moment and so we were told I we actually applied even to go to uh, Malaysia at one point years ago and and I, we just got married and I remember getting the application and, and getting the approval and opening up the letter and then God said no and so I was like wow okay and so I closed it back up and Put it away, and that was it. We received confirmation after confirmation that we were supposed to be here. And uh, after seeing the results and and the places that God has taken us, I know that we were supposed to be here uh, for these past seven years. And I'm so grateful for every moment we've had, every opportunity to just be in the will of God and be a part of what God's doing. And one of the things that I have talked about, preached about, Done my best to live is to take the gospel outside of these walls, and I've even preached about it here at this church. I have some of the notes of what I preach sometimes at different churches, and I recognize that I've even talked about it here. You know, getting out of these uh, walls, out of this building, and taking the gospel to the world, and and seeing miracles, signs, and wonders as a result. Of preaching the gospel. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And when the disciples preached, they preached with signs following. And so we've seen that. Uh, we have been so grateful for that. And uh, we have, I have been overseas a couple different times throughout the past uh, two years, uh, several different times and have seen the miracles of God. And then last year, the Lord just said, all right, now go. And so I had kind of just put it all away for a moment. God said, all right, here you go. I'm opening the door. And I didn't even know where to go to be honest. I'm giving everybody the long story. I didn't know where to go, to be honest. Uh, And I talked to my pastor, and and he said, well, do you know any missionaries? Or, you know, what, what do you feel to do? And I said, well, I know for sure God's put a desire in my heart to go to a country where there are are no missionaries where there is no apostolic representation, and I want to go preach the gospel there. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I feel the Holy Ghost happening in a country where there is no, and there is no apostolic witness today. And so I know God's going to do the work. I'm not even—I don't doubt that for one minute. I know God is sending us. And um, and so we will start out, we're going to Greece. There are churches there, but there are a few surrounding countries where there is no apostolic representation. So we're going to go to Greece, be under the missionaries there, and in our time for this coming year, we will um, also go to a few other countries and uh, just see the connections that God gives us and the things that he does in these places. And with the help of the Lord, our desire is to stay long-term uh, in one of these countries and just... Preach the gospel and gather the people. Obviously, organize it and let God do what He wants to do. And so, I appreciate you all being a part of that, and uh, in your giving and in your praying. I thank you so much for uh, you know your desire to partner with us. Thank you. Exodus chapter three. I'll get into the message. Um, what I feel in the Holy Ghost is to talk about is simply more of Him. That's the title of this message of this thought for the next moment more of him. Now, uh what we know and do here in the church is important. The ministry that we do is important. Every ministry uh in the church I grew up in, we constantly, you know, had all kinds of we call everything a ministry. I remember I didn't know that wasn't necessarily uh known across the board. I thought every church called everything a ministry. And to the point where we have a guy out there selling snow cones, and we call, yes, yeah, the snow cone ministry. We have someone out there doing popcorn. That's the popcorn ministry. One of the sisters out there selling candy. That was the candy ministry. I thought that was normal. <laughs> You know, and come to find out, you know, you don't call everything a ministry, but in reality it is. You know, you're serving in the kingdom of God, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. We are here to serve for the kingdom of God, no doubt about that. But I want to take it just kind of one step more foundational that I feel like we should never leave. We should never get away from. We should never depart from, and that is relationship with God. Going after God is the greatest desire you can have, the greatest endeavor you can ever make in your life, you can ever go after, is to know Jesus, to know him in a greater way, to love him in a way you've never loved him or a way you've never known him before. and There are many facets of Jesus that really we we won't know them all before we leave this earth and I would even endeavor to say that we won't know them all even in eternity because God is so big. He's so almighty. Those words can't even begin to describe how big he is. There are places uh, that there's no doubt we won't even be able to fathom and he's there. He's been there. He is there, and he'll always be there. That's how big God is. That's a great thing. One pastor, he said, you know, you can go to Vegas, he said, and you can do all that the world has to offer in about a day's time, you know, and I believe that. I'm I'm sure you can. You know, we are good sinners. We are sinners. It's in our nature. It's what we do. It's what we think about. It's what we fight against now as believers that have been saved, that have been changed and so on. And he said, you can go to Vegas and you can go do all the world has to offer in about a day's time. He said, but, but with God, it's, it's different. He said, with God, it will take a lifetime to know God. And I believe, and I've added, I believe it'll even take an eternity to know God and to understand God. There are many different things about God, many different things to know. I mean, he's obviously, He's the Almighty. He's omniscient. He's uh, He's everything you'll ever need Him to be. He's the beginning. He's the ending. There's so many. He's our provider, you know. And there's so many different facets of God. But you know, I, I want to kind of explain to somebody today. Maybe you are going through a situation. Maybe there's something that you are battling, something that you are facing. Some people they lose their job and say, "Where's God?" All of a sudden, He's gone. No, no, no. It's that God is trying now to show you that. He's a provider. Maybe you don't know him as a provider. And then he says, all right, now I'm going to go ahead and you're going you might lose. God doesn't make you lose your job or he doesn't lose the job for you. You know, life happens and so on. And he'll use the opportunity to show you that he is the provider, that he is the source. And your job was just a resource that he is the one who literally owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he's the one that called light out of darkness in the beginning. I mean, my wife and I lived out of our car for an entire year. Our First year evangelizing. And I remember being in certain places, certain cities. I had no idea that we would be there. Being in Chicago one time, it was midnight, I had no idea where we were going to stay, I had no money whatsoever, really not enough to get a hotel. And someone randomly called and said, You know, we're going to bless you with a hotel tonight. Where are you staying? And I said, That's exactly what we needed. I remember touching the headboard of that bed and thanking God. God, thank you for the roof over my head. I never lived that way. I wasn't poor or broke as a kid, or I wasn't in a place where I come from that life, but there was a moment where I said, God, I'm willing to do whatever, wherever, whenever you want me to go, I'm willing to do that. And God said, well, you're going to have to trust me even with your finances. Trust me with what you're going to eat every day. Trust me with where you're going to stay and the roof over your head. There are certain situations in life that you will face uh, that will not be there to destroy you. They can destroy you, but they're not there to destroy you. Rather, they're there so you can understand God in a way you have never understood. Understood him before, so that you can realize that he is truly the provider of our entire life. That you can understand he truly is the healer. You can understand that he truly is the way maker. That's why David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I will fear no evil, not because God gave him the victory, not because he saw the light at the end of the tunnel, not because all was well, but simply because thou art with me me. And if God is with me, then I know every battle that comes my way is not going to destroy me. I know that everything the devil throws at me has no power over me. Why? Because God is on my side. And if I recall who God is, I recall that he's the I am that I am. And if he's the I am back then, and he can part the Red Sea back then, then that means he can do the impossible today. When I begin to connect the dots through my struggles in life, I recognize, wait, hold on, he has shown me himself. He has shown me that he is strong. I didn't know him as a kid to be a provider. But why? Because my parents took care of everything. And When it came to a place where I really, I'm not talking about just, you know, you, you just pull out a credit card and just start spending more. No, no, no. It came to a place where we're living out of our car and have absolutely nothing, nowhere to go, have no home, have no job whatsoever, preaching the word of God, just believing he's going to take us from one place to the next. You know what happens? You begin to pray a little bit more. You begin to believe a little bit more, and on one occasion, we're at my parents' house just a little bit too long. Anybody ever been married for any time at all, and you go to your parents' house, and you're like, all right, it's time to go. Don't say amen. Don't look at them if they're in the church, and that was us about three weeks too long around Christmas time, and I remember praying one day. I said, God, you know, we've got to go. I don't know where to go. We don't have anything on the schedule, but I just know we got to go, and God said, well, I want you to drive north. Nobody called. Nobody said, hey, would you come preach here? Would you come do this? You can stay over here. God said on a Thursday night, drive north. That was all I got. I'm in Los Angeles. So I went to my wife and I said, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going we're gonna to drive north tomorrow. You know, i to try, try to say with enough faith, you know, muster up all the courage. Like, yeah, I'm the man. I got this. And she said, well, that's great because the Lord just told me the same thing today. Thank God for a praying wife, you know. And she reminded me that she wrote it down in her journal and so on. I mean, the Lord just works amazingly that way. And so I uh, took a little bit of pressure off of me and I realized, all right, we're gonna go do the work of God. She started packing the bags, and we left that morning. And I remember we got to driving and just believing, and I had all I had heard that one time, you know. And here's the other thing. Sometimes we try to, God, will you remind me again? Is it is that was that really you? And God just, he'll just tell you once, just like he told Peter out of the boat, come. That's all he had was a word. He didn't have no translating Peter from the boat, you know, onto the water. There was none of that. He gave him a word. The word was come. All the disciples are looking at him like, are you going to do it? You heard what he said, right? Peter, I'm sure, had the opportunity to say, well, I I don't know. You know, it was a little choppy out there. The wind might have carried his voice and we might just be thinking things, you know. In that moment, God absolutely expected Peter to obey the word. And so I remember driving, and as we drove, and make a whole long story short, we ended up getting all the way up to Oregon, from Los Angeles all the way up to Oregon. And when we got there, I, we still didn't really have anywhere to go. And, and the Lord had put us in touch with some people. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, we were literally, we were at the outlets. I'm going to be real transparent. All right, I'm leaving after this, so it doesn't matter. We were at the outlets, and we were window shopping, all right, because we didn't have much money, and I remember we're just kind of walking around, we're at the fossil store, and uh, definitely not going to buy anything, <laughs> and I remember this girl coming up to my wife, and she's like, hey, uh, hey, I I remember you, I remember you, and she said, oh, you know, my wife's trying to rec- recollect who she is, and she said, yeah, you came to our church a few years ago through, through your Bible college, and I remember you coming out and, and being there during a the service, and and she said, Oh yeah, okay, okay. You know, my wife remembered the service, didn't necessarily remember the girl. She said, Give me one second. Let me go get my dad. And so, you know, I thought nothing of it. And she grabbed her dad and brought him over. And she said, My dad's a presbyter here in the district. His name is so and so. And hey, this is Jesse Cornejo, and he's preaching a revival or he just preached a revival not too long ago, such and such place. And and her dad shook my hand and said, Hey man, well wh- what are you guys up to this coming Sunday? And where are you guys going, and what's all going on? I was was honest. I didn't try to make no, you know, you know, uh, big preacher, you know, talk or nothing like that. I try to keep it as real as I possibly can, and I said, I got nowhere to go, man. I'm up here just based on the voice of God, and he said, well, why don't you come to my church, and I'll call a few others. I believe God will just open up a door, and sure enough, we stayed there for an entire month there in Oregon based on what happened in a store, and we happened to be at the same place at the same time. They were three hours away from where they live. Took us out to eat that night, blessed us there, Red Robin. Loved some good burgers. Everybody's hungry now, huh? And I remember after that thinking man this is amazing God's moving in a mysterious way we're there for an entire month and throughout that month we've seen over 50 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and watch one lame man get up and start walking and then start running down the center aisle. God never walked a day in his life but because somebody obeyed the voice of God. See God wants to take you places you've never been show you things you've never known but you have to be willing to walk through the valley of the shadow of death you have to be willing to go go, where you might not desire to go. And God says it's in that place uh, where the storm is waving, where the storm is going, rocking the boat back and forth, uh, that I am going to show you that I can make this storm uh, be still, that I'm going to show you that I am the peace that you need, the joy that you need. You see, I'm not looking for joy in this life. Uh, I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, I'm not looking for peace. Uh, I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, I'm not looking for a way out. Uh, I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, And if i I get Jesus, uh, I get peace. Uh, If I get Jesus, uh, I get joy. If I get Jesus, uh, I get love. Uh, If I get Jesus, uh, I got the ability to forgive uh, those that have trespassed me before. If I get Jesus, uh, I've got everything I'll ever need. Uh, That's all we need in this life. Uh, You don't need more money. You don't need a bigger car, a bigger house, uh, better clothes. All you need is Jesus. Uh, All you need is his presence uh, moving in you. Moving in your home, moving in your family, and the joy will come, and the peace will come, and the victory will come. Why? Because I've got more of Him and less of me in this hour. Somebody, clap your hands for a moment. We don't need somebody to come and devise the greatest sermon again. We don't need somebody to come and show us how the Greek and the Hebrew puts it all together. I need more of Jesus. His spirit will teach me. His spirit will lead me. That's what the word says. I just need more of him. God's calling. I feel the Holy Ghost. And God's tugging on somebody's heart. I feel Jesus in this room. God's tugging on somebody, and he has in the middle of the night, early in the morning, and even in the middle of the day. My kids think it's okay, and they think it's normal when their parents start talking in tongues driving down the road. They think it's a normal thing, and I want them to think it's a normal thing, that Jesus can interrupt at any moment, at any time of any day, because God is in control of my life because God is the head of my life. I told my wife, and I know this may be contrary to the way that some people feel and some people believe, and that's all right. You can disagree with me, and you, can be, you have the right to be wrong. That's all right. I told my wife, when we first got married, I said, you know, I understand that it's the man's job to provide, and I, by all means, will do that with everything in me this is not a way out, this is not a scapegoat or anything like that, this is not a me, you know, just making a provision to, to be lazy or something, that's, that's not me at all, I said, but, but I just want you to know I've given my life to God, I've given my heart, my, my time even to God, and, and so because of that, I, I'm trusting in God that he's going to provide for us, so The reality is, I understand I am the head of the house, and I understand I'm the man. I get all of that. That's the word of God. I know that is true, but I just want you to know, I've put all of that into obedience unto God, and so therefore, God is actually the provider of this home. God is actually the one. So if we don't have, it's not me. It's because of him. If we don't have this or we don't have that, you got to go talk to Jesus, all right, because God's going to be the one to see us through. Can I tell you, we've never been without, we've never been a moment where we've not had this or not had food on our table or not have a roof over our head. God has always come through. Why? Because when you let God be God he'll show you things you've never even known before. He's not looking for another American comfortable believer that's going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of get to heaven my own way. No, no, no. God's looking for somebody that's going to be a real Bible believer. I don't care what culture you're from, what country you're from. God's looking for somebody here today that says, I'm not okay with the way that they do things, uh, I want to do it the Bible way. If the disciples were in prayer and fasting, uh, I want to be in prayer and fasting. Uh, If Moses uh, walked up the mountain uh, every single day to talk to God uh, while people were turning their back on him, uh, I want to be like Moses and talk to God. That's got to be our zeal. That's got to be our passion. We compare ourselves among ourselves and well, they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're believers just like me, but how come they're not called to this particular thing? God, you don't need to worry about that. This is a relationship between you and God. He may ask things of you that he's not going to ask of them, but you don't know what he's asked of them. We can't compare ourselves. And Moses on one day, on this occasion as I read in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that he is on the backside of the desert, the Mount Horeb, and Horeb means desolate, there's nothing, everyone say nothing, nothing Nothing around, nothing there on this mount of God, the Mount Horeb, and as he is obviously tending to the flock, the Bible says all of a sudden there's a burning bush, and this bush, the significance is that it was not being consumed by the fire. The fire would not consume it and then carry on or die out, uh, you know, due to a lack of a fuel or anything to continue to help it burn. And this occasion, this fire continued. It was a supernatural occurrence, a supernatural situation. And and Moses, obviously knowing this desert, having been there about 40 years now, on this occasion, he looks over at the burning bush, and he has a decision to make. And the decision is he could either say, well, that's pretty odd, and carry on with his life. Or he can say, you know what, let me go check this out. There's something peculiar about this. There's something different about this. There's something deeper about this. And in that moment, the Bible says that Moses turned aside. It's an old English term for basically he went to go check it out. He went over there to go check out what was going on. And he walked toward that burning bush and once He walked toward the burning bush. You notice up to this point, the voice of God is not in the picture. God has not spoken yet. Just a burning bush, supernatural occurrence. God gives him a kind of little little taste, gives him just a little, if you will, some bait maybe. And he kind of puts it there. and, And Moses in that moment has the decision to make. I'm going to go check it out, or I'm going to continue on with my life as it is. The Bible says he turns aside, and then all of a sudden, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called unto him out of the midst of the burning bush. And that's when God spoke to Moses and said, now, this is what I've called you to do, and I'm going to send you here, and I'm going to do this in your life, and do that in your life, but it wasn't until Moses decided, you know what, I just, I want to go check this out, I think I want a little bit more of whatever that is, and once he got there, Moses didn't run away, no, 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 he stayed in the presence of God, on another occasion in Exodus, the Bible says that Joshua, a young man, was there with Moses in the tabernacle, and the presence of God literally came down into the tabernacle and God was talking to Moses uh, as a friend would sit down and talk with a friend. If your pastor and I sat down here and we begin to talk, it was just like that. Moses uh, and God are talking and Joshua is somewhere there in that tabernacle noticing what God is doing. The Lord even put a pillar of fire in front of the door so nobody could enter in. That's how intimate uh, this relationship was. And the Bible says Moses gets up from that moment of prayer, he gets out of the tabernacle And the Bible makes it a point to say, and Joshua, the young man, stayed in the tabernacle. Can I tell you, that's because Joshua had a desire to be in the presence of God. He was not concerned about people knowing who he was. He was not concerned about people trying to figure out, is he with God? Is he with Moses? Who is he with? What's he doing? He simply recognized uh, this burning bush experience uh, is something I want more of and I'm not going to let go. No matter what they call me, no matter what they think about me, I just want more of God. And on this occasion later on, the Bible says that Caleb and Joshua were sent into the promised land along with other spies. And the only two that came back uh, with a good report was Caleb and Joshua. Joshua being the young man that stayed in the presence of God. Can I tell you here today that if you are going to muster up the courage uh, and the faith uh, to go through this life and see the great works of God happen, even in the midst of adversity, you have to spend time with the almighty God. It's not going to happen on your own will. It's not going to happen on your own accord. It's not going to happen because you have it all figured out or even because you have the right IQ. It's going to happen here today because you've decided, I need more of Jesus and there needs to be less of me. I want to know Him, I want to see him, I want to feel his presence, I want to be able to see him and know that he is near. That's got to be our desire. I understand this is not a running and shouting type of message, as they say, but I believe with all my heart that this is what we need to get to. This is what everything boils down to. In the beginning, the Bible tells us that God came down to where. Adam was, and he began to look for him. Obviously, God is all-knowing, and he understood and knew, but he began to look for Adam and say, Adam, where are you? In the cool of the day, it was a normal thing for them to have a relationship, a normal thing for them to talk, and for them to have a time together to know one another. That's what God desired from the beginning. That's why he created you and I to have a relationship with you. That's why he created you. And so in the very beginning, it was established that Adam must have a relationship with God. And of course, he willingly, upon his own accord, had a relationship with God. It's sad to see that there are many, many things in this world that we live in today That take our time. And I'm not even talking about sin. We can talk about that later. I'm just talking about things that take our time. You don't have to say amen or you don't have to raise your hand or nothing, but I just want you to think about this. How many of you have gone to bed at night and not even acknowledged God on that day? Woke up in the morning and thought, man, you know, or laid your head down and thought, man, you know, I really wanted to, I intended to, I maybe desired to, but but that's where David's message comes into play. And he says, and that will I seek after. That's something I have to purposefully do on my own. God's not going to put you there and say, all right, sit down and talk with me. It wouldn't be a relationship. wouldn't be a willing thing. It's up to you. He'll nudge you. And you know what? He'll even give you burning bush experiences. We had a powerful service. The presence of God was there. And how many times, and I know I'm talking to people that are devoted. You came tonight. I understand that, but we're going a little bit further. How many times in a service you felt the presence of God move? And the Spirit of the Lord has come upon us. And, and all of a sudden people are, are are just having a time with God. And before you know it, well, the two songs is up. I think my, my 15 minutes of prayer time is maybe over, and it's time to go. I've been there. I grew up in church. I knew. As a kid, we kind of had it mapped out. I remember, be honest with everybody, we had it mapped out. Remember, as an 8-year-old kid, we sit up in the front. The first song, we'd be in the altar doing our prayer. After the first song, they switched over to the second song, then we can go. That was just kind of in our heads. That's the way we thought about it. That's why I always tell people, hey, don't, don't switch the song during the altar call sometimes it signals people in their mind, okay, they're switching the song up. It's time to go now. Amen? Sometimes we think, all right, you know, I've prayed. I've done a good job. I'm going to carry on. When you've connected with God and you feel the presence of God around you, you feel God moving there in that moment, that's not the time to say, well, I've accomplished my moment of prayer. No, no, no. That's the time that you've just begun. That's the time you've just connected. And that's the time you've just begun. We had a an instructor <clears throat> in Bible college, and and he, he would tell us, and this really is what messed my whole world up. Um, I remember he would tell us, you know, you need to, to pray submitted prayers. I didn't quite understand that until he would explain. And he would tell us, <clears throat> his name was Brother Tony. His name is Brother Tony Bailey. A great man of God, and he would tell us, you need to pray submitted prayers. he said, say, you need to pray until God tells you to leave. And I didn't quite understand all that because I understood the hour of prayer. We pray for an hour, and then we carry on, right? I understood that, you know. As a kid, we would go to the sanctuary early in the morning. As a middle school-aged and even high school-aged kid, we would go, my parents would wake us up at 5 a.m., and we would go to the sanctuary. We'd be there from about 6 to 7. We would pray, and uh, then we would leave and go to school. So prayer was a normal thing in life, but I didn't understand submitted prayer. He began to explain, when you pray submitted prayer, you pray until God tells you to leave. There's no time limit on it, but when you feel that nudge, you feel that, that gentle impression, and God says, all right we're done here today or in this season or in this moment of prayer and you just feel the peace of God move over you and you you recognize between you and God it's time to go. Then, then it's time to go. So I said, all right, I'm going to try it. See, that was a burning bush experience for me. Why? Because the instructor began to tell me, hey, you can get here. You can walk with God like this and God will tell you turn right, turn left, do this, do that. He'll tell you, he would even tell us, he'll tell me what shirt to wear in the morning. I haven't got there yet, but I desire it. He said, because the Lord, he he would literally tell us, Brother Tony Bailey, he would tell us, you know, if God says wear a red shirt in the morning, I want to wear a red shirt, because he may have told that lady across the street, hey, the man with a red shirt, he's got the answer for you today. And if you give that to God, he'll operate in that realm. But if you don't give it, then, He won't. He's a gentleman. And I remember one day I said, all right, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to try it. Walked into the back of the church. And as I walked in the back of the church, uh, it was there at Christian Life College, the Bible college I went to. And they would leave the sanctuary open 24 hours a day. And uh, prayer was definitely something that was pushed and something that was encouraged, I should say. And, And so we, I remember walking in the back of the sanctuary and Nobody had asked me to be there. There was no class for it, no special prayer meeting. I said, you know what, I'm going to pray a submitted prayer today. I don't even know all of what, how that's supposed to work. But I'm just going to pray until God tells me to go. I don't even know the voice of God all that strong in my life yet. But I'm going to try. And when God tells me to go and I feel that that's God telling me to go, then I'll go. And so I got to the back of the sanctuary and I said, God, where do you want me to go? Literally, like, where do you want me to go and in- and sit and pray, or stand and pray, or what do you want me to do? Some people might think, oh, that's that's too much. You know, God's not going to take that much control. And God wants to be God in your life. And some people ask God for blessings. Some people ask God for anointing. Some people ask God for all these great things, and he wants to be God. But you've not let him be God in your life over that area. God, you can have all this, but that right there, oh, no, 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 no. I'm good right there. It's all right? I remember telling the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to pray? And he said, I want you to go up on the platform. I thought that was weird. (laughs) That was not okay in my book because that looks kind of presumptuous. You know, as a young Bible college student, you know, you're kind of walking up on the platform just kind of, I don't know, thinking, hey, I'm going to be in front of everybody. And there was nobody in the sanctuary. It was dark. But I just thought, you know, Lord, that's kind of weird. I just... I said, all right, I'm going to obey. And so I got up on the platform, and as I got up here, it was about this high, and I remember the Lord said, now, I want you to lay down. I want you to lay out. So I literally laid down on the platform, and uh, and he said, now, I want you to give me everything you've got, every dream, every desire, everything you think you're going to do in life, everything that you feel you're going to do, just every bit of it. I want you to get rid of it all. Every passion. We should have passions, we should have dreams, we should have visions. It's all good. But God said, now I want you to give it all up. And So I remember beginning to pray, God, all right, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I prayed specific prayer. God, I don't want to go here. I'm not telling you all where that is. but I don't want to go here, but I'm willing to go if you send me. So I was giving it all up. God, whatever you want me to do. I wasn't married at the time. Whoever you want me to marry, God, whatever you want me to do. I remember praying those prayers and and just believing that God was hearing me. The spirit of God got to move and I had no watch. My phone was literally on the other pew over there. I purposely put it over there cuz I didn't want any any distraction whatsoever. And I said, "God, I'm not leaving until you let me let me leave." And on that platform, I remember praying the prayer. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, "I want these prayers to be a sweet-smelling savor unto me. Just like the sacrifices that happened in the Old Testament when those animals were slain, it was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord as that sacrifice would go up. And you know what would happen? When that priest would go into the holies of holies, the presence of God would come down and would consume the blood. I mean, just a powerful experience that God would show up in the middle of that, sacrifice was what got God to show up. And so I was there laid out, and I would pray and pray and pray, God, you can have it all. I didn't know that I had these things in my heart, but the more I would give up, the more I had in my heart to give up. And I continued verbally, out loud, God, you can have this, you can have that, wherever you want me to do. And I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God took over. And I remember finally just kind of not, not feeling that pressure anymore and feeling that that just maybe maybe a little bit lighter. The Spirit of God just felt a little bit lighter. Maybe if that that might be something that it feels like physically for you. And then feel that pressure anymore of God consuming me and requiring that of me. And I felt just a peace came over me and i felt the lord tell me all right we're we're done for today and so i left and when i looked at my clock 3 hours had gone by i never prayed 3 hours in my life didn't know that was possible if i'm just being transparent didn't know you could do that heard preachers preach about it but i didn't i mean who am i i'm just a kid what i'm i'm walking with god like that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense and i realized the moment that i submitted my time to god God said, now I can do what I want to do. Didn't feel like three hours. Didn't feel like a day's time. Felt like I wanted to be there longer, to be honest with you. Because I gave that time to God, and God began to reveal things to me. I remember the next day came by, and for lack of, a, you know, for time and so on, and, and just make a long story short, remember coming back next day, and next day, and next day, God said, go, do it again. And I went up there and got up there again, and this time I knew, man, I, I know what to pray. I know I'm giving this up, giving that up until it's completely gone. And I give everything up, and, and I remember after a couple months went by, I saw a vision. I hadn't seen a vision before, and I saw a vision, and the Lord showed me this vision. It was him, and it was me, and and while we were there, I remember God would cast judgment And when he would cast judgment in the vision, I'd jump up and down. Yes, God, that's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly what I desired. And then when he would grant mercy and grace upon those others, I would jump up and down. God, that's exactly what I wanted. And I recognized in that moment that now my will was no more. My desires didn't exist anymore. I put them on an altar of sacrifice and said, God, you can have it. And in that moment, the will of the Lord and my will begin to align. My desires now were after the desires of God, and they were after the will of God. And i begin to see the things the way that God would see them. And I'd see people the way that God would see them. And on one occasion, one man on a train, I remember I was reading just right here on my own, and all of a sudden the man was looking at me, and he kind of signaled for me. And I walked over to where he was, and he said, are you a preacher? I had no indication of, I didn't have a Bible out or any of that, no indication that I was a preacher. I said, yeah, man, I'm a believer. He said, I knew there was something different different about you. He said, I recognize it. And I was in Bible college at the time and praying these prayers, just believing God would lead me and send me and take me there and take me here. And he said, man, I need Jesus. I really need what you have a hold of. I can feel him on you from over there. And he said, as in that moment, I say, you know what, lift up your hands, man. And on the train, lay the hands on the guy, he started speaking with other tongues. Can I tell you, God wants to take you places you have never been to before. But it will only start to when you find a place in prayer and say, God, less of me and more of you, less of my desire. This is a burning bush experience. You today have the opportunity. You're responsible for this knowledge right now. God is tugging on somebody's heart here today that is willing to stay longer than you've ever stayed, that is willing to pray a prayer harder than you've ever prayed. Believe that God will show up, and God will indeed do the impossible. Well, maybe you need a vision tonight. Uh, maybe you need God to show up. Uh, maybe you need God to be the, the, everything you've needed him to be in your life. Uh, can I tell you, it's not all in trying to figure it out, uh, but it's in getting into the presence uh, of Almighty God. And don't leave uh, when you think you've been connected. No, no, no. Go when God tells you to go, because then that's when you get up and you've got the victory. That's when you get up and you've got peace. Uh, that's when you get up and the enemy doesn't see you anymore, but they see Jesus. Uh, living on the inside. Why? Because you've got all the filth and the trash and the dirt out of the way and now you've got Jesus uh, as your Lord and King. I want him to be my everything. That's my desire. It's my passion. I want God to be my everything. My greatest desire is Jesus. If you can't say that, we've got to get to that place. My greatest Truly desire, you've got to be willing, able to speak that. My greatest desire is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you think that you have come to a place that you've accomplished all there is to know about him, then you've quit exploring God. You've quit exploring God. If you think you've accomplished it all, if you think this is it, then you've quit exploring God. And he's trying to call somebody deeper. You might not even know what you're looking for. Just get to a place of prayer and say, God, I just want more of you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. But you lead me. And I guarantee you, he'll tell you what to give up. He'll tell you what to do. He'll show you where to go. You'll take one step here and another step there. and Eventually you get to a place and he'll say, Abraham, go ahead, lift up your eyes. Remember that place I promised you? Check it out. North, south, east, west. That's what it looks like. It'll give you glimpse by glimpse, moment by moment, from glory to glory, and take you into deeper realms of the spirit. It is not meant for believers to stay at a surface level with Jesus. It is meant for us to go a step deeper in this walk with God. You believe what I'm talking about here today? I can feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Why don't we lift up our hands together? Why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost? Would you do that? I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. We're going to pray sacrificial prayer here in a moment. And we are going to start simply by telling, Lord, less of me and more of you. Less of my desires and more of your desires. I don't even know all of what that may be, God. But God, whatever it is, even the things that you have promised me. Abraham, and he walked Isaac up the mountain, was ready to sacrifice him based on obedience to your word. God, I want that kind of relationship. I want that level of relationship. I just want to know you. You know what? Why not? While we're in this vein of prayer, God, if you will reveal yourself to me, I want to see you. I want to see what you look like. Why not? Why? If Moses can talk to you there face to face and God, I want to get to that place where I'm so hungry for you that there's nothing else that I desire. That when I get home from work, I want to be with Jesus. That when I wake up in the morning, I just want to be with Jesus. That when it's the middle of the day on my lunch hour, I just want to be with Jesus. What would happen if we were radical enough uh, to put aside everything else uh, this world has, if we were radical enough uh, to put aside our time and our comfortability and say, God, less of me and more of you. Let's all stand together. I feel the Holy Ghost here in this room. I believe that God is Calling us to desire more of Him, and with that desire comes us emptying ourselves of our wants. Now, this part's up to you. And there are people in this room who might say, "Man, I'm, you know, I've I've been there, I've done that, I've been in those places, I've had those great prayer meetings." Well, then you know. This is another opportunity to go just a little bit deeper. This is another opportunity. My grandmother was, great-grandmother was 103. She passed away, and uh, she walked with God really like nobody that I know personally. And She would pray three times a day. I, she lived there with my parents. And while I was there at the house as well. She was living there, and she would pray three times a day in the morning, middle of the day, in the evening, like Daniel. Daniel did it. Why can't we? It's out there. We just got to pick up on it. Oh, Daniel prayed three times a day. When he hit the lion's den, he didn't even flinch. When they said, you know what, Daniel? We made a decree. It's custom order. Your name on it. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, of course. We don't want you praying to this God you're praying. Okay, all right. Goes back to his place. Opens up the windows. <laughs> and he starts praying again. Wasn't worried about it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I've been with him. I know him. And I know two things. Or I know it's two things about him. That if he wants me to go into the lion's den, I know he'll protect me. But I also know about it, so much about him that. If he doesn't protect me, then that's what he wants for me. And if that's what he wants for me, then that's what I want for me. That's a different place. That's what the four Hebrew boys said, the three Hebrew boys, excuse me. Before they got thrown into the fire, they told the king, said, we're not going to bow. And they specifically said, our God is able. That's faith. Right? Right? We got faith. That's faith. I believe. I believe he can. I believe he will. We need that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Bible goes one step further and three Hebrew boys look at the king and said, and even if he doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow. I said, God, what was that about? The Lord spoke to me and said, their faith turned into trust. It's a deeper level of faith. Because at that point, they're telling the king, even if... We burn in the fire, and that's what he allows in our life because he's he's our God. He's got us in the palm of his hand. And if he allows us to burn in the fire, then that's what he wants for us, and that's what I want for me. That's a different place. You only get to that place if you spend the time in the altar, spend the time there at your house on your face. God, I want what you want. I want what you desire in my life. But if you find yourself kind of tugging that way and you feel God tugging that way and what's going on, God? Somebody's got to decrease, right? In order for this thing to pan out the right way, it's got to be us right here. I want to know him. I want to know him. Why don't you lift up your hands? Why don't we close our eyes? all over the sanctuary. And as you, as you do that, why don't, we, why don't we pray? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Would you do that just like Jacob prayed all night long? God, I just need you to show up. I just need more of you in this moment. You know, I'm not even praying because I need something, God. No, I want to pray like Moses. Show me your glory, he asked God at one prayer meeting, just show me you. A man that had already spoken to God face to face in a theophany, and a different understanding. He hadn't seen the divine glory of God. He said, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you without whatever it is that you're showing me when we're in the tabernacle. I want to see you limitless. God said, "There, nobody can see me like that. You'll die. His hunger was... I want more of you. I want more of you. His desire was, God, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's happening in my life. I just want more of you. I'm willing to set my face just like Daniel did and say God, I need you to show up right now in this moment. Not because I'm asking for this or because I'm asking for that. Not even because I'm asking for joy. But God, I'll decrease uh, that you would increase. uh, That you can be God. uh, That you would be the answer for everything that I need. We're not asking God for a miracle today. We're not asking God for this and for that and the other. No, because if you go for Jesus uh, he'll take care of all those things. Uh, if you go after Jesus, uh, he will be the way. He will be everything you need him to be. If that's your desire today, that you want to know more of him, uh, why don't you go ahead and come on down to this altar. Make Find a place uh, here in this altar. Bury your face in it. That's all right. And just say, God, less of me, more of you. Less of me, God, more of you until there's no more me left, until my desires, God, uh, aren't my desires anymore, until my will to go that way and do this thing, is uh, Is no longer until when you speak, God, I obey your voice. God, let there be no more me left. Go ahead, lift up your voice uh, all over this sanctuary. Allow that sacrifice today to be a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Would you do that right now? That's all right, all over this place. Uh, It doesn't matter what it looks like. Uh, It doesn't matter what it sounds like here today. Just go ahead and lift up your voice unto God. Let Him know, God, more of you, more of you, more of you, Uh, because when I get to heaven, that's all I'm going to desire. That's All I want, God, is just to see you, is just to know you, is to feel your presence. Uh, Never leave me. uh,